patience is not John the Baptist's strong suit, one might say. I'm not sure how kindly he would take to our reading from James today with its repeated pleas for patience to an activist prophet like John, or to many of us seeking justice today, calls for patience can sound more like a stall tactic than wise counsel. Besides, John is not exactly the picture of stoic calm. As we heard last week, he calls the religious leaders of his day broods of vipers, when he's angry, he is not afraid to let us know. Nor is he willing to put up with the slow grind of institutional change. As a priest's kid, he knows the temple system very well, with its highly regimented program for offering sacrifice for sin, and he bypasses it entirely. We don't need to wait for an officially sanctioned season of repentance to get right with God, he says. We can do it here, and we can do it now. John the Baptist is the last of his kind. He's what our younger ones might call an OP, original prophet. He's the heir to prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel who could be uncomfortably graphic in their condemnations. And while he knows about Isaiah, the preferred prophet in this season of Advent, he's not really given to Isaiah's gorgeous flights of fancy. Frankly, he prefers axes and winnowing forks to blossoming deserts and everlasting joy. So his rather blunt question to Jesus today from prison isn't that much of a surprise. Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? John had the same expectations of the Messiah as his ancestors did. He expected someone who would execute justice swiftly and make his people feel powerful again. He expected an axe wielder and a fire starter, and instead he got his cousin, Jesus. When calling out a king on his unseemly marriage landed him in jail, John had to wonder where the Messiah was when he needed him. Maybe Jesus just needs a little nudge to start setting prisoners like him free. To his credit, Jesus does not respond defensively as one might to family. He reminds those gathered that the prophets offered more than one vision for a redeemed future and that it's worth looking toward those streams of the tradition too. He lets his words as a teacher and his actions as a healer speak for themselves. And he points out that freedom comes in many forms. It is not enough to bring down the mighty, as emotionally satisfying as that might be. Any future worth having means lifting up the lowly, too. Helping the powerful see what they didn't see before and hear what they didn't hear before. 
while also reminding the poor and the vulnerable about their infinite value before God. That's kingdom work too. So then, what are we supposed to take from this ancient story in our own season of waiting and Advent? Do we simply ding John for his impatience and move on? I'm not sure that judging other people is the task of Advent. That seems petty and honestly pointless. But why be patient at all? Well, because sometimes it is what we need if we are ever going to grow. In our reading from James, patience looks like a farmer who waits for both the early and the late rains before harvest. Let's stay with this image for a second. What happens when farmers get impatient and don't wait for the late rain? Well, whether they try too hard and overwater their crops, which would be my temptation, or they pull them up before they're ready, neither is a wise choice. Likewise, when we are impatient and either act impetuously out of fear or we give up too soon, we're either wasting resources we could use elsewhere or we're shutting off new possibilities for growth before we need to. This does not mean that passivity and endless dithering are our only options. Farmers are not idle while they wait. They tend the soil, they guard the crops against predators, they weed out what isn't useful so that what is useful can grow and grow stronger. We can do that too. In other words, there is plenty for us to do while we wait. We are called to be patient because the alternative is self-defeating. It leads us to ignore our blind spots and to sacrifice long-term growth for short-term security. And while letting our anxiety rule the day can make us feel better for a little bit, that cannot be what God wants for us in the end. If nothing else, patience is a tactical necessity. But it's not just that. Because of the trust in God that it demands from us, it's a spiritual practice too. When we can deepen and hone, when we practice it here, together, as a community. A reading from James ends by looking to the prophets as examples of patience. Does John the Baptist fail as a prophet on these grounds? Well, it depends on how you define patience. If it's simply a matter of controlling our feelings and not getting angry while being tested, well then yes, you could call John impatient. But there's more to it than that. Patience is less about our feelings and more about our character. The prophets were persistent and steadfast. They kept speaking up no matter how many times the powers that be tried to silence them. 
They refused to give up on the God who led them to hope for more. They kept asking questions even when they were scared. And they kept telling the truth. And on those grounds, John passes with flying colors. Perhaps that is what we are called to be this Advent as well. Persistent, steadfast, faithful, and patient. The good news, of course, is that this is exactly how God is with us. In the silence that follows, I invite you to consider where God might be calling you to patience. Whether it's with your family, or at work, or school, maybe even here, at church. What in your life might really flourish if you stopped trying so hard? gave it a chance to grow. In the name of the one who knows what we can be and can wait while we grow into it. Amen. <laughs>